The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Dear listener, please close your eyes for this movie theater meditation brought to you by Fantango. Breathe in. Smell the fresh popcorn. Now exhale. <sighs> Open your eyes and proceed to the best seats in the house you reserved on Fandango. Recline. Now, download the free Fandango app for movie times, tickets, and seats at your favorite theaters. Fandango. It's your ticket to the movies. My comp for you would be uh, like a Mike Glennon, Brock Osweiler. Kind of in that. Um, <laughs> out of college. Yeah. You're Just such in an like asshole. skin complexion with uh, Mike Glenn, yeah. both fair skin. Really people. pasty and white, hair. yeah. <laughs> really pasty and white, yes. Oh yeah, what's up, Kristen's unbuttoned? Yes, and that voice you heard was of the asshole Ahmed Farid. What an asshole he is. Uh, it's all right, good times, good fun. It's back. We're back with another AMA. It's a chance to make Ahmed yeah. uncomfortable, so I'm excited about that. I thought that was a compliment. I mean, Mike Glennon made several good plays in his career. So did Brock Osweiler. And so I thought that comp was a compliment to you. I didn't know that you would take it that way, Chris. Well, I mean, they had, be- they, you know, I mean, they had better careers than me. So who the hell am I to talk, right? <laughs> I mean, I just, I just wish you viewed me in a different light. I wish you were, <laughs> you, you viewed me as somebody better. But um, no, well, either way, it's all good. And they made a whole lot of money. I certainly would take their damn cash. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> Uh, you're you're right, Chris. We're back with an AMA, and I love it because the homies out there did it again. Like over 100 questions when you posed the uh, the question to everyone to send in an AMA question to you. So uh, that's that's what's going. And I don't know about you, but you know, I I've really and you've been able to work with PFT and Mike Florio. Like doing this podcast has been helpful for me. And hopefully for a lot of people out there listening, because otherwise I'm just scrolling through Twitter, looking at the latest updates on what's going on around the world. And it brings you down. It's a, I mean, clearly it this does. is a tough time for a lot of people out there. And uh, just me personally, like this hour that I spend with you is is super important. It's I, I've really enjoyed it, Chris. Yeah. Oh, thanks, man. I, I, me too. I mean, the feeling is mutual. D- ditto there all the way. And it is it's good to be doing this. What I've been doing with PFT. It does take your mind off things. We've gotten very positive reaction from people really all across the nation and even, you know, in the UK with people just being excited to have something to to take away. And, you know, with this podcast, hey, we're going to hit all football, be funny, talk about a few different crazy things in life, whatever it may be. But I'm with you. I was just sitting there finishing my breakfast in the wormhole of news. And, you know, you get frustrated. One, yeah, you start to stress out about what's going on. You start to think about how's it going to affect your life, your family. You start to look at, you know, a certain leadership around the country and the world where you just go, have they lived under a rock and did not realize this was coming? Specifically, the governor of Georgia, I think he's been under a rock for the last two months. He just realized that asymptomatic people can pass the virus away. It's frustrating. There are a lot of things that are frustrating out there, but uh, 
doing this and getting all the questions. And so if, if you guys are, are listeners out there and, and, and have followed the show for a while and you thank you for the questions and, and reach out and say hi to me or Chris. I know I'll, I'll enjoy that and something to take my mind off uh, off everything else. And I think the one cool thing, Chris, about th- this whole when it's all said and done and we're at a better side of this whole thing is that when people remember back to these couple months, one of the images that will stick out in their mind is you sitting in front of a fireplace with the two lights to the side of your head and the double doors <laughs> there in your Connecticut like home. You. I mean, that's iconic like at this you. point. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you yeah maybe nbc will stop, tell me to stop coming to the office and they'll just say no we like it with the beams on top and everything just stay home we we don't want you here anymore but you know people why fell we're on in this love note, with that shot when we're on the note with this just real quick too just to hit some news like yes. robert Kraft, like what, what an unbelievable job by him sending the patriots plane over to china to get over a million you know masks for our country and medical use and everything like that like Got to give him a shout out. Big time credit yeah. to Mr. Kraft for getting that done. All right, let's get to it. Chris, you ready? Let's bear down. Let's do it. So we have so many questions on a lot of different topics. Uh, some quarterback talk. People want to talk about hygiene. The very controversial uh, takes that you had last time when you talked about some of the things that maybe you are or are not into. Maybe we will not get into that because it made me uncomfortable last time. But let's no, start with the reaction get by, the homies, <laughs> by the homies to your uh, top five wide receiver rankings. Uh, if you missed it, here were Chris's ranks. When you talked with Paul Burmeister on Tuesday, you had going from the bottom up. You had T. Higgins from Clemson at five. You had K.J. Hamler from Penn State at four. Henry Ruggs uh, from Alabama at three. Justin Jefferson from LSU at two, who you like a whole lot. And I almost thought the way you talked about him, he'd be your number one, but you got CD lamb from Oklahoma as your number one. Controversially, you left off Jerry Judy uh, from Alabama, who a lot of people have as the top receiver in this draft class. You said he would have been six if your rankings went all the way down that far. So Cameron Johnson, the first one says Judy plays like Stefan Diggs. And Diggs is not physically dominant or explosive either. And he's been a pretty good pro. So what do you think about that comparison to Diggs and Judy? And maybe you're missing some of the things that have made Stephon Diggs such a great player in the NFL. I, I get that. That's fair. I, I mean, I, I understand what they're saying. I mean, there are some similarities there. I would argue that Stephon Diggs has better quickness and better long speed than Jerry Judy that way, at least on the football field. I mean, Diggs was one of those guys that I came away when he came out in the draft, whatever that was, for four or five years ago now, I can't even remember, where I went, ooh, I mean, if this guy had a good team and a quarterback and an offense around him, you know, it would have been a whole different story. He wouldn't have been a fourth-round pick or anything like that. And again, you know, I just want to make this clear because there's a lot to like about Judy. I like Judy. I, I This is, again, I just want to make it clear to me, yes, I would not risk a top-20 pick on a guy like Jerry Judy. That's my biggest thing. If he went in the first round, somewhere between 21 and 32, Ahmed, I'm going to go, yeah, that's fine. I get it. I, I understand there's plenty positives to, a, to, uh, to justify that pick there. What I'm saying is top 20 pick, you know, top 12, top 14 pick, to me, that's just too high for a guy like Jerry Judy. First of all, you know, I'm big into physically elite traits, all right? I am. And I don't think that Jerry Judy has a ton of them. So it's not that I don't think he can be an effective player. I just don't think he can be that guy. Like in the top 20, Ahmed, I'm looking for a guy who 
yes, can work the slot and do all kinds of different things for the receiver position. But ultimately, at some point, if you're a top 20 pick, I need to be able to just if, – if there's a game where I just go, I got to line you out out left all game long and you have to beat their best corner, then you have to be able to be that guy. And I don't know if Jerry Judy is that guy. You know, again, we've been fed this narrative, and I hope anybody out there can appreciate me and what I've been doing on my podcast for the last few years because we get fed by nar- narratives by people a lot of the times who just don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, you know, sports highlight anchors who just start saying, Jerry Judy's the best receiver in the draft. And I want to go, well, you've never studied football or know nothing about it. So don't make statements like that. Just say he's really good and you'll be interested to see where he goes in the draft. But that narrative has been fed to us just like Tua is the most slam dunk, you know, draft pick we've ever seen in the history of our life. And I'm just trying to set the narrative straight a little bit or at least give some honesty there. You know, that that's just my 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 take on it. I like Judy. Yeah. I really do. I just don't think he's as elite as the other guys that I have in front of him. I think it is interesting the amount of group think that's in any sport around the draft or maybe even free agent rankings. The, the, the thing is, is that you look back at any draft and it never goes. The first wide receiver taken turned out to be the best. The second was the second best. I mean, that never happens, right? No, like, clearly, it does not. That, You're that's right. not and the it, way. It, so for all the rankings to be identical just doesn't reflect reality. No, I think a lot of people are just lazy and just rank what they saw somebody else rank. And that's the way they go. And, you know, at least for me, hey, I'm not saying I'm right. And if I'm wrong and Jerry Judy's kicking ass, you know me well enough to know by now, I will admit I'm wrong and tell you where I was wrong. I don't care about that. I don't expect to get every evaluation right. But I know I've seen top-tier NFL receivers my whole life and been around a lot of these NFL guys. And I know what also systems and things can do to make guys successful and make them look better. And that's all I'm trying to to give some knowledge to. And, you know, I saw a text here while we were doing the middle of this, like Pete Dimalitis wanted to go, well, Jefferson doesn't win on the outside a a lot either. Yeah, well, that was was a question from Ollie here too. He said, and he was playing lawyer here a little bit. He goes, how do you critique Judy by saying he's not a guy that you can just line up on the outside and say beat the – best uh, man-to-man corners in the NFL, but then praise Jefferson. You said you don't always have to be that guy who wins consistently on the outside. First, I know. did you say I'm... that? And second, how do you defend yourself? Well, what, what, what is he saying? I said, what's that? That, that, Je- that Jefferson has the same problems on the outside that he doesn't necessarily consistently yeah. win on the no, outside. No, he doesn't have the same problems. He, do- he does not have the same problems. I'm sorry. I mean, we showed a highlight package today on PFT of Jefferson just beating one guy after another on the outside for long passes. Or when he goes deep from the slot, he ends up on the outside a lot of times and ends up as an outside receiver. But the point is, yes, okay, I understand what they're saying. Yeah, Jefferson's not the guy. Like, he's not Odell Beckham Jr. or Antonio Brown where you just say, go out there, you got two rockets up your ass, and nobody will be able to cover you. No, I understand that. But the other element that Jefferson has that's way better than Jerry Judy it's his size, his physicality, and his hands. And that helps him win on the outside a lot, too, let alone I think he's better at all the slot things that Jerry Judy does. All right? So that's the biggest thing. He's more of a physical presence over the middle. He does more after the catch. He breaks more tackles. You know, he makes more catches in traffic. All of those things. It's not a negative necessarily on Jerry Judy. I'm just telling you that Justin Jefferson is a guy that can do it all, and he's really good in the slot. And he showed it 
in a Michael Thomas type offense because this this LSU ran the Saints offense, but there's plenty of outside beating guys one on one. Also, Jefferson on a week-to-week basis, was the go-to guy, the number one target. Everybody knew they were going to throw to Justin Jefferson as the number one guy. At Alabama, you couldn't say that about Jerry Judy always. I mean, listen, you Paul said this on Tuesday, okay? Uh, and I've heard this from a number of people in the NFL too, and I wrote this in my notes. You know, you got to take into account, at times, Jerry Judy was – you could – and I'm not saying this is like 100%, but I'm just telling you about the talent that was around him. There's times he's on the field where I think myself and other NFL evaluators looked at it and said, he might be the fourth best receiver on the field right now on his offense. Wow. Because and, and it's not a knock. It still means he's a great pro, but he got some favorable matchups. He didn't get keyed on all the time like a Justin Jefferson did where you just go, ooh, they're going to give it to him here. It's third and eight. They're going to work him over the middle. No, they could have worked. Alabama could have worked rugs or 17 Waddle or six, the super freak or anybody else. So that's all I'm trying to say. Again, I really like Jerry Judy. This is the worst part about my job. I met him at the Super Bowl. He's a great kid. I know he's going to be a really good pro, but to rank the top five receivers, I just think those five have more elite physical traits than he does. I think he needs a little bit of a system and an offense that really knows how to use a route runner to really exemplify his strengths, okay? And where those other guys, I'm saying they don't need as much as a system. They can get it done with their ability and their size and their physicalness and their speed. So let me, Excuse me. let me throw this at you that came from a lot of people out there, but we'll read the one from David Holdman that said, did Jerry Rice have elite physical gifts? There's a lot of people that say Judy is in that rice mold who just is a student of the position does everything well maybe nothing elite but can be kind of like a guy like jerry rice did did jerry have elite physical gifts chris no yeah yeah yes he did jerry is you know not to like randy moss or t.o and i know that's what they're saying and listen maybe jerry judy can be that guy jerry rice is a bigger human being than jerry judy all right i mean i met jerry jerry rice when i was eight years old you know i've seen jerry judy jerry judy's a little thinner that way I do think Jerry Rice on the football field, yes, has more speed and more speed and ability to even use a little more physicality than a Jerry Judy. I do. Yeah. You know, Jerry Rice, listen, I can go back to 1986 and show you, you know, his rookie year of him catching slants and splitting defenses in the NFL and running for 70, 80 yards with guys that have an angle on them. You know, Jerry Judy, I see some of those plays. But more times than not, it's because the Red Sea parted and there's just, you know, he just happened to be the right guy in the right place at the right time. So I just think, you know, it's a valid point. I understand what they're saying, uh, but I'm not going to quite go to Jerry Judy, Jerry Rice comparisons quite yet. Dave Jerry Rice can win on the outside and run go routes on people in his prime and run by people all the time. I'll take you to the 1988 Week 2 Giants 49ers. He runs right by the Giants, who have one of the best defenses in football, and Joe Montana throws him a bomb for an 80-yard touchdown, and they win the game. He could do that on the regular basis. I don't even know what Jerry Rice's 40 was you know, coming out, but Jerry Rice's movement in and out of breaks was elite and better than Jerry Judy's is right now, for sure. So that's, that's all I'm saying, but that's a valid question. I understand that.
In seeing I hate Jerry this part Rice, of my job, man. In seeing Jerry Rice warm up on the field in a suit before every 49ers games, it, I feel like he still feels like he could beat people on the outside. He feels like <laughs> yeah. he still has that ability. Yes. Yeah, I mean, he's <laughs> – yes. And remember, in his day and age, Jerry Rice, the, the slot receiver wasn't a thing yet. So there was only two receivers on the field most times. They weren't working the slot. Jerry Rice was winning on the outside. You know, they didn't have Wes Welker in 1988 or 1991. That wasn't going on in the NFL yet. So, you know, that's another point I would add to that conversation. Again, I really like Jerry Judy, and I'm sorry, and I don't mean to – I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm just trying to be honest. And I wouldn't be shocked if he went to a team next year and had 80 catches and 1,000 yards. I wouldn't. All I'm saying is you're not going to get physically elite, explosive plays from him, uh, I don't think at least, and maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. Yeah, and, and you still think he's, you know, first-round guy, end of the first round, top of the second round at worst. I mean, Stephon right. Diggs was a guy that was taken in the fifth round, so you're not even right. you're not putting him even, even close to that territory. No. Uh, Dave writes in, trying to get Judy to slide to 13 for your boy Kyle. Genius. Oh, is that what you're trying to do here, Chris? <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not, you know, I don't know. You know, I think Kyle has that kind of guy on his roster a little bit already. So I don't know if he would look for that. I I am interested to know if Kyle is thinking about a receiver at at 13. I mean, I, or 31, I think that's a very real possibility. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Uh, I think in my heart of hearts, though, I would think that Jerry Judy is not Kyle's type of guy. And listen, the other thing too here. You know, no, I don't think anybody's going to have to slide to 13. It's going to be interesting. You know, you really look at the draft and you go, okay, you know, who in the top 10 is going to take a wide receiver? And I don't know if you have it in front of you right now, but I don't know if there's a team there you got to really worry about taking a receiver in top 10. The first team Hmm. I look at to go, ooh, watch out, they're going to take a receiver, it would be the Jets at 11. And then you have the Raiders at 12, who could very easily be in that conversation as well. So maybe that's yeah, where the run starts. It's going to be interesting. Yeah. Let's do the Raiders because that comes from uh, Shenanigans. 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 Do the Raiders take two receivers in the first round? If so, which two? Please tell me C.D. Lamb. So the Raiders have those two picks. Where are they right now? The Raiders are pick 12 and pick 19. That's the one they got from the Bears last year for the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, so what do you think? you think it's a possibility that they not only take one but two? I think that I wouldn't say both in the first round. I think they could take one for sure with one of those two picks. It wouldn't be shocked if they came back in the second round and maybe took another receiver. I don't think they're going to use two top 20 picks on the same position for a team that has a lot of holes. And, you know, I I hear our guy there. He's hoping C.D. Lamb. Yeah, I I hear you. C.D. Lamb is he's the best receiver in this draft. There's no weakness to C.D. Lamb. His stats should even be better. He was a go-to guy all the time. He's a human highlight film. I would think Gruden likes him. I feel like he's kind of a can't-miss prospect. Now, I will say, I do think Gruden would really know how to utilize a guy like Jerry Judy. That would be one of those teams where I'd go, Gruden understands how to use those type of players. Um, So that, but I would also say to the Raiders and go, I think the Raiders need a physically elite guy first, and then you look for the route-running type second. You know, the one thing they have right now is I feel like they got, you know, a lot of the route running type. Oh, we can get five and six and eight yards with this receiver. They don't have a home run hitter. 
That's their issue right now. And that's what they lost when Antonio Brown did all that crap. But I would think, you know, Jerry Judy would not be enough of a home run hitter for John Gruden at, at number 12 for him to take him. There's one more wide receiver type question that I want to throw at you because it's an interesting conversation. I think, oh, wait, and one thing too. I yeah. just think Gruden, I, in, in my heart of hearts, I don't know this. I would think Gruden likes C.D. Lamb. I would, just being around him and having lots of conversations about wide receivers in my day. Also, I would think Justin Jefferson would be to his likings too. You know, again, mm-hmm. he's, got, he's gotten to see him in an offense that's similar to Gruden. Gruden runs the Sean Payton offense. That's what they do. And that's what LSU ran. And, of course, Justin Jefferson got to run kind of that Michael Thomas position for them. And I would think he looks at him, too, and goes, ooh, you know, there's value there, too. So it'll be interesting, and I wouldn't be shocked if they went Henry Ruggs either, if they want an explosive guy to take the top off and really stress out defenses. Yeah, there's going to be a really good receiver there at 12. If you say maybe that's the first receiver taken, too, at 12, and then there's going to be a really good receiver there at at 19. So they could do that, which means they'll probably take no wide receivers in the first round. They'll go completely off the board. One more uh, wide receiver question. This one comes from Reverend Dan. He says, can you point to a raw prospect that went from a poor route runner to a great route runner as a pro? He says he doesn't disagree. He's just curious. And you did talk about route running. And I think it's a really interesting conversation where you say, don't take their college film of them being a poor route runner and say they can't learn that at the next level. It doesn't mean that they're going to learn it or they're going to become a good route runner. They still might not. But you just have to give them more of an incomplete, an I than a D, a failing grade. Um, so can, can you think of any wide receiver prospect out there that you're like, you saw his tape in college, you go, man, he doesn't know what he's doing. And then he really was disciplined and well-schooled by a good wide receiver coach or something out there. Well, I think, you know, okay. So first off, you know, with the route running to your point to what you're saying, yes, you can become a better route runner, right? As you get in the NFL and get around other professional receivers and a wide receiver coach, and they start to stay on your ass all the time about the techniques of running routes, you can become better. Now, does that instantly make you going to be like, oh, you're going to be Amari Cooper or Julian Edelman good? No, not necessarily. You're going to have limitations there. Okay, so there is that. And then you've also heard me about, you know, the route running thing being a little bit overrated at times. You know, really good offensive coaches don't make their really good receivers run routes that they're not really good at running. You know, there's a reason you don't see Julio Jones running like post corner post or corner post corner or things like that because he's big and he's not necessarily made to do that you know so uh all right so first off the one that came to my mind right off right off the bat was Terrell Owens Terrell Owens I can remember when he came out was a totally raw has no clue how to run a route it's just physical ability and that's all he did he became a pretty damn good route runner by about the third or fourth year of his career and that was through hard work okay DJ Moore the guy first round pick from the Carolina Panthers I would tell you His route running was underwhelming at Maryland, but I saw the elite physical traits. He was a guy I could see catch a screen behind the line of scrimmage, and all of a sudden, zoom, he's gone for 70 yards. Or he'd catch a slant, and zoom, he's gone for 70 yards. But now he's able to stick his foot in the ground. He's got a variety of routes he can run. He would be one guy that would jump out to me right now in that conversation. I'm probably missing a bunch of others and choking under the pressure here, but those are certainly ones that that jump out to me. Hey, I'll I'll give you two more. The two Georgia Tech receivers, Calvin Johnson and Demarius Thomas. I just saw Pete Demolitolitis put out Demarius Thomas, and he was right. And that made me think of Calvin Johnson. 
though they didn't have to run any routes in college college i mean georgia tech was running the wishbone so they had no route tree you know oh wait that's right they're freaky athletes and they learned how to run routes that's why i'm telling you i think the whole route tree route running thing is a hair overhyped with certain guys yeah, you have to look, and you taught me this in the studio when we were doing this podcast in the studio. It was one of the times we stood up, which is always exciting to me when we stand up and they have to move the jib and Annie runs back there. I can't wait to get back to that. But you, and you, you, you're looking for more of the physical ability in the hips. Are the hips fluid enough to make those moves that are deceiving to the defensive back? That, that's probably what you're looking at more than just the all and out. Oh, did he, did he run five and then straight to the left? You're looking at the physical ability of, of maybe the hips. Yes, you do. It's a, and it's a great point by you, and I'm glad you brought it up. Because, yes, those are the little physical things that I've been taught by some great people I've been around, whether that's Kyle Shanahan or Ike Hilliard or Keenan McCardle in my days of playing or, you know, Chad O'Shea up with the New England Patriots, who's the wide receiver coach. Yes, you have to check out, you know, the gate and the hips to go, you know, can he hit the white line at 10 yards? and you know, get his hips to flip and turn and act like he's going to make a right turn, but then he makes a left turn because he's got that flexibility and the ability to separate the upper half from the lower half. Very important aspect of a wide receiver. If you can't do that, then you better be physically freaky fast or big and strong, or you're going to be a guy that, you know, has to run straight and then break down and then make a right turn and then restart your running. And those could be what you, uh, it could be a negative about the tight hips uh, to what you're saying. Player evaluation, something you did in your brief time uh, with the Patriots. And this question comes from Coach Gray. You talked about this a little bit, I believe, yesterday with Mike. Do you think Steve Belichick or Josh McDaniels will be the guy to replace Bill in New England when that time comes? So you discussed it, but let me put you on the spot. If you had to pick right now, who do you think is more likely to replace Bill Belichick, his son or Josh McDaniels? I think his son right now. I think that would be the the one I'd go with. Yeah, I just feel like that pendulum pendulum swang a little that way with articles being written by him last about uh, Stephen Belichick last year. You know, I and again, I have no inside knowledge here. Of course, nobody's going to have inside knowledge of this. This would be a Mister Kraft Bill Belichick conversation. But uh, I do think yes, if you made me pick one right now, I think it would be Stephen Belichick. I also think that's you know I'm connecting dots here. But I think that's a reason you saw Josh McDaniels again wanted to get interviewed as a head coach because I'm betting he saw a little bit of the writing on the wall there. And then Belichick made a statement, you know, a week or two ago in the news to talk about, you know, the nepotism and his son working in the program and all that. So, you know, I yeah, I think right now the way I look at it, I would put Stephen Belichick. Uh, in the in the the lead horse position over Josh McDaniels, yeah. I would very he, interested to yeah. know what the relationship is right now between Josh and Bill Belichick. That would be something I would really like to know, because just from the outside looking in, I know you and I talked about it. It seems like Bill kind of screwed Josh over with the coaching search this year, and I yeah. would imagine that wouldn't sit well with Josh McDaniels. And if I was Steve and you brought this up too, I, I, I don't know that I'd want to follow my dad i know yeah in new I england know. i would want to kind of write my own history with another team but but who knows what his his motivations um, are i think that's a great point though dude right like i i that was like i think at some point if i'm steven and i want to further my career i would want to go somewhere else and become the d coordinator to prove to the world 
hey, it's not about, it's not my dad. I don't need him, blah, 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 blah. Just to silence that aspect of it to justify him one day being more of a head coach. I, I think you're right. You're spot on there. We've got quarterback talk, a section on that, some questions from the homies. But first, I want to go to hygiene because there are a lot of questions on hygiene. We've created a ruckus with some of the showering habits that we've had and, and whatnot. Uh, this one comes from Fuzi's dad. Said, what are Ahmed's top three hair products? Um, my hair is always impeccable. It's always well done. I take a lot of time with it. Actually, I just do the messy look most of the time. Um, but hold on. I wrote down my top three go-to hair products. Uh, and I'm getting paid no money by any of these companies. Axe Messy Look Flexible Paste. So like the Axe Hair Gel is one of them that I used for a long time, Chris. And then I went to Temple Smoke Styling Balm from Beard Brand. But both of those have the one thing they have in common is they don't have the wet look. And you go more of a wet look guy. And I go more of a dry that's still with a firm hold. Like, look at this. If you're watching on YouTube right now, I'm pushing my hair down. It is bouncing right back. It is coming right back. So it's a firm hold, but it doesn't have the, the wet look like Chris that you are more accustomed to go with. Yes. I, uh, I, I, and I never used to do I, I literally, not until last year, had gone basically 20-something years without putting a comb in my hair. Like, not one time, ever. <laughs> like, I would get out of the shower and just move my hair with my hands and go, okay, let's go and start the day. But when you're a talking head on TV and your face is centered up in a HD camera all day long, you start to reconsider those type of things. And then I got to the slick look and I'm a pomade guy all the way. I use pomade Ooh. and it's, um, hold on. I, Danielle, what's the name of my pomade? Way? It's O-E-U-I-E -E or something like that. How do you say it? Way, but it starts with an O. It's a Frenchy, it's a fancy French word, okay? That's yeah. what I use, and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in it. I'm, I actually like it very, very much. Because you can go the dry look or the slick, wet look if you want with pomade. It's, it's very versatile. Now, on the hair topic, I know you're a big haircut guy. Chris, what are you doing here? Oh, what are you going to, you get haircuts once every two weeks. I think you told me, yeah. I mean, this is going to yeah. be a while. Yeah, this is, I'm on, uh, I'm going into at least three weeks since my last haircut. And I had this conversation with my wife last night, mm. uh, talking about like, man, what do I do? Do we try to get like our, our haircutter salon guy over here at the house? And we kind of were like, nah, that's just too risky. We don't know where he's been. And, you know, you want to go to the salon, but no, I guess I'm just going to have to deal with it and let it grow out right now. There's, I got no, no choice. Let Danielle do it. No, you've got, you've probably got clippers. Let her do it. Yeah. No, thanks. My wife thinks she can cut hair. Okay. She's done it to my son a few times and things like that. And I can tell you, he ain't letting her cut his hair anymore. So <laughs> <laughs> she's got strengths in life. I'm not letting her touch my hair. Sorry. We'll talk in a, in a, in a month. And we'll see where you're at. You might get to the point where you break and you go, you know what? It's whatever. I don't want to have the hair that I have right now. So as bad as it's <laughs> going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to go with it. One more about hygiene here. This one comes from Garnett West. Do you brush your teeth after every meal? What is your, what is your teeth brushing routine? No, I do not brush it after every meal. I may, when I wake up in the morning, okay, yep. I wear a mouthpiece to bed because I grind my teeth. Ooh, so, teeth grinder. I, I, I do that I, too. I'm, I don't have a mouthpiece, yeah, a but I'm a teeth grinder. I, I did. I had to start doing it really just in the last few months because like I was waking up and I was like, man, my teeth are sore and it hurts. So 
So I started wearing the mouthpiece, but I brush my teeth while I'm in the shower. I'm a shower, I'm a brush your teeth in the shower guy in the morning and at nighttime. Every now and then I'll get a midday. Like let's say if I got a workout in in the middle of the day and now I'm taking a shower, I might go, oh, you know, I drank a lot of coffee this morning. Let me brush my teeth just a little bit here to get that off. So I'm typically a two de- two times a day type guy. I'm nor- I'm a morning brusher. I brush after I get out of the shower. Not right. in the shower, but after the shower. And then I'm not typically a night brusher. I'm usually a once a day guy. So what? there's a lot of things about my, yeah, I'm a once a day guy. usually. I would have, and I've never had a cavity. Are... I've never had a cavity. What? Are your teeth real? They're real. I've had braces. Wow. No other That's gross that you teeth. don't brush your teeth at night? That's gross. I mean, it's gross, okay? So I've, um, I've had a couple of things come out, my showering and my teeth brushing, that have not put my hygiene in a good light. I'll be honest with you. No, and you need to add the brushing your teeth in the shower. It's it's a, it's great. I'm telling you, I might saves have. a few minutes. <laughs> it's a good one. It's one of my favorites. I I do it. You know, like I said, in the morning and at nighttime. I'll consider. I will consider that. That does sound like it's a good way to to save time. All right, let's get off hygiene before I embarrass myself even more. I don't know why I shared that. I should have just said I. Well, nobody two times. Like, nobody wanted to know about my wife's bo or anything like that. There was nothing about that. No, I think there was, but Pete didn't put it down here. He was he he's protecting not only you but your wife by not putting that in this spreadsheet. She's my wife. I'll do what I please with her. Okay, you know. All right. <laughs> I mean, right, what else reason, do you want to get off I'm your chest? What else do you want to get off your chest? But I, I like your you bo. Want to get off your chest? Yeah, I like her B.O. That's all there is to it. It does. It turns me on. It makes me so horny. Okay, I think you are the only one that wants to talk about it. She doesn't want you to talk about it. Pete didn't want you to talk about it. The homies had reacted. They didn't want to hear about it. But um, All right, well, they heard podcast, about it. That's so all can, they can do. You can do whatever you want. Uh, quarterback talk. Let's do that for a second. Yeah. Uh, Matt Sunflower wrote in, do you have any expectations for Gardner Minshew this year so he was a surprise last year was not really on our radar I was looking up his numbers you know he was the sixth round pick uh out of Washington State oh Tom Brady was a sixth round pick so I guess he's gonna win six Super Bowls now played 14 (laughs) games last year uh had six games Chris I was looking up with a quarterback rating above 100 including two of the last three so he ended strong 21 touchdowns, six interceptions on a team that wasn't, I mean, didn't have a ton of great, great teammates around him. He was pretty good last year. Do you think he can get even better? Can he build on that? I do think he can build on that. I think the jury's still out, at least for me, to say whether he's the bona fide future for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think there's a lot of positives there, no doubt about it. You know, I think he could do every bit as much as like Nick Foles could have done there. And I think that's ultimately probably why they moved on. They just went, man, we saw these guys in practice every day. There was really no difference. In fact, Gardner Minshew might be able to make more with less at times with his ability to scramble and extend plays compared to Nick Foles. And then they were probably like, well, why are we paying $20 million a year for Nick Foles? Okay, let's get done with that. Now, yeah, I do think he can improve. You know, obviously, hey, they need a better offensive line down there. You mentioned some of their weapons. I think their weapons are kind of flying under the radar a little bit. Uh, I do. I think, you know, guys like D.D. Westbrook and D.J. Sharp are very, very talented. Um, But I will say this, too, Amen. They're one of the teams I look at right now and go, man, that they're they're sitting there at pick number 20. Will they take a quarterback 
at number 20. If Tua was there at 20, would they take him? Will they take Jordan Love at 20? You know, so I still think there's a chance that they could be one of those teams that thinks about making a quarterback move at that point in the draft because they're in a rebuild mode right now. They are. They've, yeah. they've disbanded that team that went to the AFC Championship for a few years ago. They blew it. They went with Blake Bortles and the worst number three pick in the history of football, and they blew their chance to win a Super Bowl. And now they got to rebuild. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'll be interested to see what they do. I, I like Gardner Minshew. I'm not sold on him yet. JC wrote in, where would you rank Dak Prescott among today's quarterbacks? I like him a lot, but feel he might be asking for too much. So that's a big story in the NFL right now. Dak Prescott and the Cowboys still trying to hammer out their long-term deal. It's probably going to happen, but didn't happen in time. Uh, before the franchise tag had to be decided, they slapped that on him. But it seems likely they'll get a deal done at some point. But how how good is he? I mean, where would you rank him among? You're obviously going to come out with your top 40 quarterbacks a little bit later on. But where do you think the range he sits in right now? I, I think he's. Uh, there's no doubt that he's a top 10 quarterback for me. Now, I, I don't think he's like in the top five, and I'm not putting him in that conversation. I think the top five is like pretty damn special right now for for my money when you go Mahomes Russell Wilson or Deshaun Watson I mean I'm in I'm I'm torn between who I would make two or three there and then okay number four would be Aaron Rodgers and number five would be Lamar Jackson for me right off the bat those are my top five so and nobody's infiltrating that at this point there's no way now I think they kind of stand alone but you know after that you start getting into the conversation I think you can make a case from him anywhere from six to 10. I think, you know, as I sit here and I wasn't expecting this, but okay. You know, as I look and go, all right, Hey, let's look, let's look at the, let's look at this way. I, I pulled up the teams. Okay. You know, you look at the AFC East right now. I'm going to take them over everybody in the AFC East, right? I'm, I am I'm everybody over in the AFC East. All right. AFC North. Right now, I'm taking him over everybody in the AFC North except for Lamar Jackson. Okay, I am. I mean, I know Big Ben's there, but he's coming off sold, uh, you know, an arm injury, and he's been out, you know, and he's getting old. So I don't know what to tell you there. Okay, now let's go to the AFC South. I'm taking him over everybody there except for Deshaun Watson. All right, so there's that. Now we get into the AFC West. I'm taking him over everybody there except for Patrick Mahomes. Right. Now, NFC East, okay, I look at that. I'm he's, he's better than the Giants and the Redskins at this point. I think Daniel Jones has a lot of potential. Him and Carson Wentz, I think, are very close to being the similar player. I'm not going to say he's better than Carson Wentz. I think they're very close. I think Wentz is in that 6-10 to 10 category for me, too. Minnes, you know, I go to the NFC North, and I go, he's better than everybody. I mean, he's better than Kirk Cousins to me. He's better than uh, anybody the Bears have. And I already mentioned he's not as good as Rodgers. All right. And then if I look at Detroit, mm, a healthy Matt Stafford is every bit in that conversation. He's in the conversation. Stafford would probably be somewhere between 6 and 10 for me as well. All right. And then you get into the NFC South. I'm taking him over everybody in the NFC South right now. Everybody. You know, maybe Matt Ryan could be in that combo a little, but I think I would take him over everybody. Yes, I know Drew Brees and Tom Brady are there, but at this point of his career, he is better than them. He makes more plays than them. And then you go out west, and I'm only Russell Wilson. So I don't know where that ended up being, but 
Yeah, I think I'm I think right. Six it's or somewhere seven. between six and ten, right? Six, seven, eight, yeah. somewhere in that range. Sorry to be so uh, long make, there, but sometimes no, I gotta that pull was up good. the yeah. and look. I feel like you just you just worked ahead. You just did your top forty ranking right there in the matter of three minutes. <laughs> so you're done. All good, your prep for good. that is completed. <laughs> uh, Mason Fletcher writes in one more quarterback question. What do the Bengals do with Andy Dalton? If they're looking to move him, what should they be asking for? So Andy Dalton was a player we talked about when we were back in the studio. You thought a good destination for him would be the Chicago Bears. Um, and I, I agreed with you. I thought that was a really good landing spot for him. But right now he's still with Cincinnati. It's good. It's turning it's turning into a Cam Newton with Carolina situation where they're probably just going to have to cut ties with them. They've been, I would imagine, trying to trade them up to this point and not been able to do that. And so they're going to have to cut ties with them, which will be rough for Andy Dalton because all the all the spots are basically taken up. It, it is. I mean, I don't know if there's a lot of spots for him. You're right. You know, first off, I will say this. Yeah, they don't have to cut him. They don't just because he's not making huge money. And if they took Joe Burrow at the first pick of the draft, you know, they're, they're going to come up to pretty much average quarterback starting money in the NFL with the combination of both of them. So I guess they don't have to. They could do that one of those things where, you know, we just saw with, you know, Daniel Jones and Eli Manning where they just go, hey, you know, we'll let you compete or whatever, but Joe Burrow's a starter right. and you're going to be the would backup, that depend, right? Would that depend on how Andy sees himself right now? Because if Andy Dalton's so. dead set on, I, I think I'm good enough to be a starting quarterback somewhere, and if you don't think it's here in Cincinnati and if you're going to take Joe Burrow and go with him week one, I want out. Would that have a lot to do with how Andy Dalton sees himself right now? I I, I would I would think so, yeah, I, I do. He's got he's to be careful here, you know. Um, you know, like you said, there's not a lot of open chairs right now for starting quarterback. And so, you know, this is, could be one of those things where the Bengals wait till training camp and, you know, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars are going, man, Gardner Minshew's played horrible the first two preseason games. We need to get somebody in here that we can trust a little bit. Maybe they make a move and trade for him or do something, you know, if an injury happens. But I, I would more be of the lines of if I'm a Super Bowl caliber team and I view myself that way, you know, for the right price, you might want to make a trade for Andy Dalton if you if you feel like you can get him for a mid-round draft pick or something like that to protect yourself. You know, I, I do think that, I mean, again, the New Orleans Saints were almost the number two seed in the NFC playoffs because of they got Teddy Bridgewater as a backup. That was a big-time yeah. move by them. You know, do you really want to risk your whole season if one guy goes down and now you have an in inadequate backup? So, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles, they'd be a team where I'd go, man, Carson Wentz has got an injury history. We know that. If Andy Dalton was made available for a fourth-round pick, I might think about, you know what, let's bring Andy in. If Carson gets hurt, now our team's okay and we won't fall apart. You know, there's a few teams like that that I look at that could use Andy in that manner, maybe even the New Orleans Saints again. That would be a good spot for him to go. I don't know how they're going to do it this year. I mean, if they're going to still use Taysom Hill – as the jack-of-all-trades quarterback, right, who's going to run the ball and play a receiver and all that, then you need a legitimate backup, too. Because Taysom Hill, one of these times, could run the ball and hurt his shoulder, and then the next week he can't be your backup quarterback. So you need a traditional backup, too, I think, if you're the Saints as well. So, you know, I, I think there's spots, but I don't envision it being a starting spot uh, this year. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting 
lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this. How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. What a performance! The Paris Olympics, this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. Some questions on football history. These are two really interesting ones. Uh, this first one comes from Sean Bodhain. He said, you said Tyreek Hill and Deion Sanders are the fastest players you've seen on the football field. Where does Daryl Green stack up on that list? So is that true? Do you think Hill and Deion were the two fastest players that you've ever seen in the NFL? And and if that is true, how come you don't have Daryl Green in there, who a lot of people do think might have been faster than both those guys? I, well, he's right there in the combo. I didn't mean to disrespect Daryl Green. I mean, I think he is right there. There's no doubt. I mean, if you go back and look at, like, highlights – of Daryl Green running down Eric Dickerson or other people. And, hey, my dad would certainly tell you that Daryl Green's one of the best players he ever played against. You know, they had to come up they had to come up with the triple move, the New York Giants, against Daryl Green. Because the double move, he was so fast, he would cover that too, right? They would run a slant and go, and he might bite on the slant, but he was so fast to recover that the guy was never open on the go either. So they started to run the slant, go, and then the comeback off of it. The Giants really invented that route. The New England Patriots still run it and do it too. But, yes, he is right there in that conversation for sure. You know, after that, you know, Willie Galt in his prime, Bo Jackson in his prime. Bo you know, Jackson, I feel like so I'm, about I, – I read up on Bo Jackson. Did you know that it's been reported, and he, he said it as well, that in 1986 – at the combine, he ran a four-one-three forty-yard dash. I know, yeah, I I know that. I, mean, I know. I mean, that's what anybody will tell you that was around at that time. Old scouts, anything like that. Now that's before lasers and everything like that. But no, no matter what, yes, four-one. Joey Galloway that's would be crazy. in the conversation for one of the fastest player ever. Joey Galloway ran a four-one at the combine, Ahmed. You know, wow. I played with Joey. Joey was the fastest guy I ever played with. I played with CJ 2K as well. He could fly. But Joey yeah. Galloway to me would be another guy that would be in that race with the guys we mentioned before, along with CJ 2K. Those are guys to me, Ahmed, that if at the age of 15 they decided I want to win the gold medal in the 100-meter dash, that they would have been neck and neck with whoever it is fighting for a medal in the, uh, the, the they're they're world class speed those people they they really are they're the twitchiest most explosive people you know you you could find on planet earth and honestly Randy Moss probably deserves to be in that conversation as well 
Wow. Dietrich Truth says, does a healthy Peyton Manning win more rings than Tom Brady if Peyton is a Patriot from 2001 to 2019? Oh, so if Peyton Manning is in the same spot that Tom Brady was, does he win six titles in those nine Super Bowls, or do they get to the nine Super Bowls? How is the world different? How how many does Peyton win in that situation? You think? Yeah, this is a this is a great question. This is great it debate. Is. <laughs> this this is the kind of shit I would bring into the locker room in my playing days and start a start a a, a locker room fight and conversation about this kind of crap right here. All right, I will say this. All right, so I think in their absolute prime, Peyton Manning was better than Tom Brady. I do. As an overall player, if you had to take like their top eight or nine years, I would go, I would take Peyton Manning. But I don't know if Manning could have done what Brady has done late in his career. Manning's physical ability and his arm strength really fell off towards the end. I mean, really fell off. It was a wet noodle. It was one of the weakest arms in football. And that really led to his demise, where Brady, because of his great arm, it's an all-time great arm. Again, I I don't think people really realize this about Tom Brady. No, it's not Aaron Rodgers or Brett Favre or Dan Marino or Patrick Mahomes. But it's like in that next class of great arms in the history of football, for my money, Tom Brady's in that next group. And uh, that's where I think it's a little different. So that is a really good conversation. You know, I don't know. I don't know if it necessary. Maybe I'm trying to think. Well, you have the, you know, the situation too. Of you have like the butterfly effect. You know, you you do one small thing. I know. And it right. changes the thing after that, and then it's a whole domino effect. And I'm who trying knows? not you know, to Peyton do that. Is, right. Peyton is a more uh, hands-on uh, quarterback, right? I mean, it was his system. He had more of a say. Tom Brady will will basically run the game plan. I'm sure he has input as well. But they're just different in that respect. And I'm not saying one's better or worse, but if Peyton totally changes what they do offensively, who knows, you know, it might work out totally know, different right. and maybe worse because of that. Well, if Peyton was drafted by Bill Belichick, he would have never become Peyton Manning as we know it, the sheriff who does mm. everything like that. When you play for Bill sure. Belichick, you know, he might respect you and go, okay, what do you think? What do you like? Tell me this, blah, blah, blah. You know, but you're ultimately going to be the soldier that listens to Bill Belichick. Cause he's going to tell you the right, right way to win that football game. You know? So, you know, they're a little different in their styles. You know, you got to remember, Brady was brought in. He got a chance to, you know, I don't want to see be a game manager, but early on with New England, they ran the ball, they played defense, and then Brady made clutch throws throughout the game. Peyton Manning from day one was like, hey, Peyton, you know, we drafted you number one, and you need to carry the team right away. And if you don't throw for 350 yards and four touchdowns, we can't win the game. And that's what was expected from for Peyton Manning from the get-go. So he had to take things into his own hands and they gave him the freedom to do certain things. So, you know, Hey, could Bill Belichick and Peyton Manning exist? Right. I I do. Now they became really, really good friends. The last few years of Peyton Manning's career. I've had people tell me, I mean, Peyton Manning and Bill Belichick used to go out to dinner at every pro bowl and do things like that, where they would just hang out together. Right. Because Belichick recognized the greatness of Peyton his brain power, the things he did at the line of scrimmage, the recognition he had of Belichick's defense, and then he would change the play. So I almost feel like Belichick looked at Peyton as like a, you know, a, a mind equal as far as X's and O's that way. Um, but I don't know if I can necessarily sit here and say that Peyton Manning 
would have won more rings than, than Tom Brady because this late push by Brady was really, really impressive. Again, Brady was better in 14, 15, 16, and 17 than he was in 2009, 10, 11, 12, and 13. I just remind everybody, they didn't draft Jimmy Garoppolo in 2014 because they thought Brady had five more years of greatness in him. They drafted Jimmy Garoppolo in the second round of 2014 because they said, man, the last three years with Tom Brady have not been very good. We need to start thinking of the future. They were winning games, and that's why there wasn't a spotlight shed on it. But, yeah, I don't know if I could sit here and necessarily uh, say, say that. Here's a few where people wanted us to choose, make the choice, choose your own adventure right here. And this one comes from Sheldon, and he says, Sims and Ahmed, if you were playing quarterback right now, I'm glad he put me in the NFL too. I love that. If you were playing quarterback right now, which two receivers would you like to have on your team the most? Um, So I'll go first here, Chris. And I was looking through. And basically for me, I didn't have a very strong arm. I did play high school football. I was the quarterback. It was a wing T offense, not a whole lot of throwing downfield, but we did some short timing routes. I could throw maybe in my prime 45 yards downfield with the wind at my back. Uh, maybe. But I would. We need to <laughs> put that to the test. I got to see that. <laughs> I honestly think I could still do it. I think I could do it. Uh, 45 yards, I think I could still do, but well, that's for another time. I can't leave my house right now. Uh, the receivers that I would choose, Chris. And I, I went because I was thinking like, okay, what would I what would I need if I was for some weird reason? It's like in hockey, they have the the emergency goalie who's just some dude that drives the uh, Zambos, Zamboni. So say the NFL, right. for some reason, they needed me as quarterback. Who would I need? I was like, I need receivers that can just like go get it. If it's a terrible throw or if I've thrown it in completely the wrong spot, they can adjust and make that play. And the two that jumped into my mind first were Julio Jones. I would just throw it up to him and hope that he could come down with it one-on-one. And DeAndre Hopkins, I feel like he is a adjust to the bad throw kind of player. Not that he gets a ton of them from Deshaun, but I've just seen him do that enough where I'm like, okay, Definitely. there's my two security blankets, Julio and DeAndre. That's a strong tandem. I'm with you there. I mean, you're, and it's, it's tough to argue that. I mean, those are certainly two guys that are in the conversation right away as you talk about it with me. You know, I also throw in – you know, Mike Evans in Tampa along those same lines. Michael Thomas, of course. Odell Beckham Jr. is in the conversation. A healthy Odell Beckham Jr. is still one of the greatest receivers I've ever seen in my life. And then Tyree Kill, too. Yeah, that's I'm what I was going to say. Like, you're, you're, a, you're, a, you're a pro quarterback. You were. And so, like, you probably could utilize the, the quick, short, fast guys way more than I would the like average to think Joe. I could. I would like to think I could. I would like to think if you gave me, I would probably pick Tyreek and Odell because I would like to think that, hey, no matter what, we're going to threaten people with the go route and it's going to leave a lot of other routes wide open because people are going to be shit scared that, you know, I, you know, even me at 39, I, I can still th- throw at 60 yards where they're going to be scared. You know, they're going to go, oh, damn, Chris can launch this. And that's going to open up slants and out routes and things like that. So I think that's probably where I would go. Tyreek and a healthy OBJ would probably be my two. I'm a sucker for speed. I really am. Yeah. Uh, the, the, your guys are the next group down. Like I said, Hopkins, Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, and, and Julio, I think, are the next ones for me. Pete just texted us. He goes, Ahmed should have taken Allen Robinson because he is used to bad quarterbacks. 
Bortles oh, and Trubisky and uh, Bortles. <laughs> yeah, he's had he's had his work <laughs> cut out for him for sure. And then he goes, Ahmed, you're not much worse than those guys. Wow, huge compliment coming from producer Pete listening in uh, at huge. home. We also want to give a, a shout out to Nicole who's punching the buttons in the studio there in Stanford, what up, Nicole? keeping this whole whole yeah, thing Nicole. together. Uh, this one comes from uh, Karen or Karan. If you and Ahmed had to choose only one movie to watch over and over again right now, what would it be? And now, Chris, I don't know if you know this about me. I'm not a big movie guy. Oh, I, no. I have not seen a whole lot of, lot of movies in my life. But I do have one that has always been my favorite. It's always been number one. And we're living it right now. Groundhog's Day has always been my favorite movie of all time with Bill Murray and a Ned Ryerson. Uh, so I don't know, though, if I would want to watch that right now, given our current situation, because it honestly feels like we are living in that movie right now. Yeah, you're, uh, yes. And Groundhog Day is one of those movies, because it went through a stint where it was on the movie channels, like, all the time, where I think you'd get sick of it, you know, like the 20th day in a row. Yes. You know, yeah. I think, well, what I think you would. you get sick of? I mean, you're right. Most of them you're going to get sick of. That's to me where I go into like the deeper, longer movies where, you know, you learn something new every time where you're like, oh, man, I didn't realize that's what he meant. Or, and that's where I get into The Godfather. And that's where you need to see The Godfather 1 and 2. They're only considered the greatest movies in the history of life. OK, go watch The Godfather. You're in Groundhog Day. Change it up. Yeah. Go watch Michael yeah. Corleone and Don Corleone. Watch that story. It's awesome, Ahmed. Awesome. Also, Braveheart's yeah. another one I love. Now, which one? Mel Gibson might be an asshole, but I like Braveheart a lot. All right? Braveheart's another one. It's a real story. There's a lot of depth to it. There's love. Yeah. There's war. You know, there's connivory. Is that a word? Connivory? Conniving? Yeah, there's uh, connivory in there. There but we've there? talked okay, about this good. before. We've we've talked about this before because this happened to me a couple of years ago where I had never seen Caddyshack before, and clearly one of the classic movies of all time. But watching it for the first time, and I think I watched it in 2018, watching it for the first time in 2018, it doesn't have the same charm or effect as it would have watching it for the first time in whenever it came out, 1970. I don't even know when, when it came out. And I worried about movies like, even though they're classics, if I'm going to watch these movies for the first time in 2020, I'm worried that I'll I'll not appreciate them the way that I would have. You you will. Ago. The Godfather will stands the test of time. You know, again, comedy in 1970s different than comedy in 2018. Mm. You know, I don't know. The mafia ain't any different. Guns and cool suits and stealing money is that that never gets old. So, and it's a real story. So, I to me, I'm telling you. You need to do this. Come on, man. Do it. Okay. Watch what if I do it and, and I do it. Don't do worry about number three. Okay. okay. All right. I'll take I'll, it. I'll do that. I'll take it. Yep. I'll do it. And we'll do You're a review on the next You're pod. full of shit. You're not going to do shit. How do you find, where are they even? Where do you get, where do you get them even now? Can you just order them? Do you have Apple TV? I mean, I'm sure there's somewhere. I mean, okay. I'm sure you can buy it on Apple TV somewhere. Yeah. I think you'll manage literally nothing but time right now. And so I will try to find them. Uh, this one comes from, uh, Orion Chesluit says, if either of you could have the physical abilities of any athlete in their prime for a day, Whose would they be and why? So you get the the physical abilities of any player. And while you think, I'll go through my uh, my thought process on it. 
So at first, I because I just told you I only could throw it 45 yards in my prime. I was like, I was like, man, I want Elway's arm. I want to have the ability. Yeah, yeah. But then I was like, you know what? I can kind of replicate that with a Nerf ball, which kind of gives the same effect. And so I was like, you know what? I'm, okay. And then I was like, oh, what about being able to dunk and jump like Randy Boss or something like that? And then I was like, well, but I can dunk like if I lower the rim to eight feet. And is it really that much different of a feeling? So I, I scratched that one. And I finally went for like the opportunist angle. And I went, give me the leg of Justin Tucker for a day and on that day I would enter a contest where like for kicking a 50 yard field goal you could win a car or free college or something like that so that's what I would choose I would choose Justin Tucker's leg on a day where I could win something by kicking a long field goal that's my oh well, so when is that I don't when does that day happen ever I know you gotta tell I've me heard that. Of I, stuff I, like that before I don't know like you, you haven't you heard of that like the Dr. Pepper I've heard of like the half court shot I haven't heard of like make the 50 yard field goal for a car I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> you're going with a fucking kicker's leg as your superpower athlete pick no come I gave on. you my answer I gave you my okay. answer well what do you pick I know all right I had some of the same thoughts you did, okay? I think the first thing I thought of was a little bit of, I thought of Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Muhammad Ali. I thought of Deion Sanders. Like, what does it feel like to be able to run like that in, like, the game of, like, the fastest people on the planet where they, they're, like, children next to you when you run? You know, I thought of that. I think ultimately, though, I would probably have to go with, like, Mm. I think I'm going to go with Michael Jordan. I am, you know, even though you're right, like you can lower a hoop to yeah. eight feet and dunk and do all that, man, to be able to soar in the air for like seconds and dunk on seven foot people and That's shoot fadeaway true. jumpers when people are all over you yet you have enough vertical. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to just shoot over you and hit a fadeaway J like, to me, that is like, I would love to, what does it feel like to just glide through the air and be like, boom, and boom. So that, that I think is the one I would probably look at. You know, I thought of baseball. Um, anybody yeah, Pete, in baseball? Pete texted I mean, in. He goes, why wouldn't you want to hit a home run like Babe Ruth? That would be pretty cool. But again, it would be. you could replicate that with a golf ball, and I could hit a golf ball with a baseball bat probably 600 feet. And so it'd be kind of similar. Uh, yes, but not really, not like hitting it in Yankee <laughs> stadium and all that. That's but, true. Yeah. Babe, Babe Ruth is probably the, the first name that came up. You know, Willie Mays was a little bit of my thought process there. Who's the best home run hitter in baseball right now? Giancarlo Stanton, Aaron judge. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, yeah. I'm still going to stay with, uh, I'm going to stay with Jordan. I'm going Jordan. You go with your Tucker. I'll go with I go Jordan with Tucker. I wait for the day when you can win a house by kicking a 50-yard field goal, and then I become Justin Tucker for that one day. <laughs> and uh, you'll be able to sing. See. He's got that opera voice. Oh, yeah, that's true. I get all of his abilities. I would be able all to sing and kick, and it would be a great day. I would be a completely different person for a day. Uh, let's go. This one comes from NFL Latino. He says, do you agree that Aaron Donald and Chandler Jones would be the number one and two seeds in an NFL bar fight tournament? Donald is built like a Greek god, and Jones is John Bones Jones' little brother. So would they be the Dollar number point. one and two seeds? Woo, that is tough. 
I mean, it is crazy that like John Bone Jones is like the third strongest in his own family, right? <laughs> I, know. I mean, Arthur Jones, his brother, and Chandler have both told me how they used to whoop on John. They used to whoop John in the living room when they had fights and wrestling. So that's just crazy to think like, damn, you're the the world champion in the UFC, and your two brothers used to you know beat your ass in the living room. Um, he would be up there. Aaron Donald, of course, would be up there too. Uh, I'm just trying to think. Like Calais well, Campbell's got to be in that conversation. Yeah. Fletcher Cox needs to be in that conversation. Chris Jones needs to be in that conversation. Trent Brown needs to be in that conversation. And Khalil Mack need to be in that conversation. So those are some guys that jump out to me right there. I think if you so gave me two. any combination. So, yeah, so yeah. I'm saying, like, picture this. You're right now. You're standing outside of a bar. You're about to walk in. You know there's going right. to be a fight. And you have to yeah. pick the two people who are on your right and left. Who are you, who are you picking? I'm going with Aaron Donald and Fletcher Cox. Nobody's going to fuck with me when they see them. I mean, once they, <laughs> they're going to see this dense muscle guy that's 6'1 and 285 with, like, you know, pectoral muscles that are the size of my head. And then they're going to see this giant Fletcher Cox who's just a giant man. And then he's really athletic too. So I would go with those two. They would be my bodyguards and I would, nobody would mess with me if I had them next to me. So I went a little different. I, I assume Don't tell me you went was... Justin Tucker again here. <laughs> yeah. And he would just sing and it would be so beautiful that people would just, it, all the anger would leave in their the body. balls and you'll be done. <laughs> uh, I went a little different because I, I assume the fight's already happening and I want someone who, maybe is a little dirtier and has a little bit of an edge. I went with, uh, with, uh, Vontez perfect and, uh, and Dominic and Sue. yeah, I, if things are going to get weird, <laughs> you gotta go, you gotta go weird. And I think that there's no limit with those guys. I, you're right. You're <laughs> that's a valid point. You're right. Hey, when you're in a fight, you don't want anybody that's like following rules, like Richie incognito. He'd probably be in that conversation too. We forgot about him. Correct. But, yeah, there you are know, no when a fight breaks out, there's fight. no such thing as a dirty fight, right? There's no such thing. So, okay, <laughs> I hear you. I hear you there. Uh, this one comes from Kidder Lindsay. Who would win in a fight, Tom Brady or Chris Sims? You versus the goat. Yeah, I, I, I'd take me. I'm sorry, you know, I don't know. I'm sure Tom would take him too, but I mean, I'm, I'm taking me. I got a little Why? more meat on my bones, a little more muscle. I'm a little thicker than Tom Brady. Plus, you I know think? I can really? lift more. I am, definitely, yes. Brady's probably like 215, 218. I'm walking around at 232, 234, and I can still move weight. And I know I can move more weight than Tom Brady, so I'm taking me. His listed weight for Tom Brady, I just did a Google search. It says it's uh, 225. Is what he's listed. Two twenty five. Oh, okay. Maybe, here's, maybe he is. I, I don't think he is that. But go ahead. Yeah, that's all right. Go ahead. Here's my question, though. Um, clearly, I mean, you have the the injury of the the spleen, and I I worry that he would be able to exploit that somehow. Well, I, I don't know. I played football after it. I got hit there. I was okay. So, you okay. know, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could give me some germs, and then I wouldn't be able to fight infection or disease <laughs> well. But. Yeah, I don't hey. think it's going to affect me taking a shot. I think I'll be okay. And Justin Sandhu says, who's a better athlete, Ahmed or Florio? And I don't know about Mike's athletic prowess, but I'll take me. I'll take Oh, me. me too. I'm taking you too, without a doubt. Yeah. 
Uh, you're you're definitely a better athlete than Florio. I mean, you know, he could he's got a nice little motion throwing the football like it's not bad, but so do you. And you're younger and you have more of an athletic background. Like that's that's a no-brainer. I'm not going with Brady. Now, if, I mean, uh, with Florio. Now, if it comes to copy paste, copy paste, snarky comment, I'm going with Florio all day, but not in an athletic yes. competition <laughs> against you. Although I am deteriorating uh, by the day. Here, a couple from your past here. I love going back into your uh, Chris memories. And this one comes from Rob Rinker. And it's something you kind of alluded to in an earlier question about uh, Chris Johnson and a couple of your former teammates. He said, what would be your dream offense of all the players you got to play with over the years? So pick two running backs, one tight end, and two wide receivers. Two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers, if you could get the crew back together and they're in their prime, or at least I guess when you played with them. Yeah, right. Uh, who would they be? Great question. Great question. Um, so you said Chris Johnson. Would he be one of the two running backs? I think I'd go with Chris Johnson, yes. Uh, there's no doubt. Yeah. You know, I mean, hey, listen, I did play with Cedric Benson. I did play with Cadillac Williams. They were really freaking good. But Chris Johnson had game-changing speed. I mean, Chris Johnson was one of those guys when, you know, I would hand the ball off to him in practice, I would feel my arm get ripped off because I'd be like, whoa, he's going at a different speed than the other running backs that gave the ball. So Johnson's going to be my tailback. Joey Galloway and Brandon Marshall are going to be my wide receivers. You know, I was with Brandon Marshall in 2009 in Denver. I mean, that's in his prime. Man, that's one of the freakier people I was ever with. And I, you know, you heard me with Joey Galloway. I think he's one of the fastest yeah. guys in the history of the NFL. Tight end is the real interesting one. I played with some decent, you know, I played with Daniel Graham in Tennessee. I had, you know, my ex college teammate, Bo Scaife, who was really talented and banged up. I had Alex Smith in Tampa. I also had Ken Dilger uh, a little bit. Hmm. Uh, who had a real good career with the Colts and, and everything else. So, man, who Anthony Beck? Man, I had some good tight ends now. Now I'm really starting to – okay, I also, I'm also i going to go with Algie Crumpler. I played with Algie Crumpler. I think I would go with him. That would be the guy I would pick at tight end, yes. Pretty good squad right there. Pretty good squad. We could tear some shit up. I, not me. Them. They they have better <laughs> options than me. <laughs> uh, Jason Monday uh, wrote in, What's the one throw you wish you could have back? You can take back one throw in your career, but only one. Which one do you pick? Yeah, there's a, there's a lot I'd like to take back. I think the one that, that, Hmm. Okay. There's, this is a really, like, this is a thought. This is a thought exercise, which is terrible, like terrible for anyone. It's like you immediately think of all your mistakes, all your worst mistakes. That's what I'm doing. Yeah, I'm going just going. <laughs> which one did I get driven the crazy by, crazy by the most? And which one, you know, is like, which one made me feel the worst? All right, so there's two yeah, throws. It's like it's like Amit, Amit, which are, what, what are the shows that you wish you could like redo? Like, what are your most embarrassing moments on live national television? Uh, go through them all in your head real quick. <laughs> well, and the the horrible thing is, is a lot of the times as an athlete, you remember your worst moments a lot more vividly than you do your yes. good moments. And, uh, you know, yeah, I still have times in my life right now where I kick myself for, you know, throwing three interceptions in the Big 12 championship game against Colorado my junior year. I mean, I really do where I just go, man, I can't fucking believe that. What an idiot I am. But um, my second year, Emmett Smith's last game. 
all right, with the Arizona Cardinals. I'm playing t- for Tampa Bay. I had Ernest Graham open down the left sideline to win the game. I had pressure. I had to throw it a little early. When it left my hand, I thought I was like, oh, that's going to be a touchdown, and I ended up overthrowing him. That one hurts, but I don't think as much as the one in my wild card playoff game against the Washington Redskins. We had a play. I threw a touchdown pass to Adele Shepard. It got called back because of the Calvin Johnson rule, right? I was really the first player and person ever to really be affected by the Calvin Johnson rule, even though he got it. We just didn't have a notable wide receiver to give it the name. But we had the same thing. A guy catch the ball in the end zone, fall to the ground, two knees hit the ground, still has possession, then fell farther, and the ball wiggled loose, and it took away a a game-tying touchdown. On the very next play, it was a fourth down. And I had the same guy running out and up down the right sideline. And, you know, I think, one, I was juiced up. And, two, he was probably a little tired from running deep the play before. And I overshot him by about a foot or two where we could have had a touchdown the very next play. I think that's probably one I look back and go, man, if I hit that, we're going to tie the game. We had all the momentum. I had a hard time thinking we wouldn't have won the game because we had kind of dominated the two quarters previous to that. I felt so bad about asking you that question and making you go down those terrible memories that I'd had to disconnect my internet, but I'm back, Chris. I've, I've come back for the last question. This one comes from bacon with lettuce. Ooh, I like bacon with lettuce. He says visited my parents in Greenwich around November and thought I saw you in whole foods. I didn't want to bother you for a pick. So I made the Vikings horn sound to pay tribute. He made that Vikings horn sound to pay tribute to you. Did you hear me? I know a lot of other customers did and were happy to see me leave. So apparently he annoyed some people. Did you hear anyone do the Vikings horn at Whole Foods? Oh, he could have very easily seen me for sure. We're definitely a Whole Foods family. First off, bacon and lettuce. Don't be scared. Don't be a wimp. Come up and say hi to me. You're not going to bother well, no, me. No, I'm not... no, not now. No one should come up to anyone right now. now Maybe but next time, when life is yes. somewhat normal again, yes, that, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yes, thanks for setting yeah. me straight. But yeah. don't ever feel ashamed about coming up to say hi to me. I welcome it. You know me. And uh, I hey, listen, I'm all for it. And that would have been awesome. I wish I don't remember hearing that. That would have stood out to me, the, the old, uh, <laughs> oh, uh, which I've had a lot of fun with during the football season with Florio, but never anybody out there. You can always come up to me, say hi, tell me you agree with me, disagree with me. I'm always open for any of that conversation. You know, you might not get the answer you like back. I'll tell you that much, but <laughs> always feel free to come up to me and say hi to me. And some of the some of my friends go, oh, Ahmed, you probably get that a lot. I go, no, actually, it never happens to me. So if you do see me out and recognize me from some of the things that we do, please come up to me. It helps my ego, and it just makes me feel like what we're doing uh, is making an impact, which I know it is because there's so many people out there who've written in that have enjoyed watching Chris, you and Mike with uh, PFT. That's like two hours of normalcy. I'm sure this podcast is, I mean, this podcast is that way for me, like I said at the top, and I'm sure a lot of people out there. So again, if you've made it to the end of the podcast here, once again, that means you're a, you're a true fan and reach out, say hi on Twitter or whatever on Instagram. Chris, I know you're on both. And uh, that was fun. That was another, uh, another ask Chris anything and, and you crushed it. Thanks, man. Well, I wouldn't be able to do it without you. You make it fun. And thank you for organizing all that you organized first off. 
Um, but I, a big shout out to the homies, really. I mean, thank you for the participation, participation. And then, you know, again, I, you know, nothing's off limits. You know me, anybody that's listened to me, I, I'm going to say it how it is. Now, NBC might edit me and cut out some of my answers, but there's no <laughs> such thing as a bad question or a weird question or whatever it may be. I think we're going to be back doing the same thing next Thursday. So if anybody wants to get weird, get crazy, uh, it's an open book here. You know, it's a tough time for everybody. I know I've been stressed out. I really have. And I'm going to have a nice smoky smoke and a nice drinky drink tonight to take the edge off. I can guarantee that. So you do that too, Ahmed, and get the fucking Godfather and start watching the fucking movies. All right. Let's go. I don't want to let you. I don't want to let you down. Thanks to Pete and Nicole as well, throwing this all together. I'm out, Chris. All right, you the man, Ahmed. Peace out, everybody. Be good. Enjoy the weekend. Stay safe. Social distancing. Let's keep fighting the good fight. See you on Tuesday's podcast. We're gonna do uh, pass rushers, top five pass rushers, and we'll talk a lot of other football things uh, that are going on in the NFL and draft stuff. So everybody, be good. Be safe. Peace. Yo, yo, what's up? Come on, man. Subscribe on YouTube to Chris Sims Unbuttoned Podcast. I need you. Please hit the subscribe button, please. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.